You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Desmond Jackson is considered the fastest above-knee amputee in the United States, currently holding the national record in the 100-meter dash. Throughout his life, Des has been blazing trails. In middle school, he became the first amputee to compete in track and field in the state of North Carolina. At the 2016 Paralympic Games in Rio, he turned 16 years old and was the youngest African-American male to make the U.S. track and field Paralympic team that year. He hopes to continue to break records and blaze trails at the upcoming Tokyo Games this summer. All right, Desmond, thank you for joining me today. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. So I thought we'd just just dive right in and, and uh, tell me how you got uh, introduced to adaptive sports. Um, I would say it was through my mother. Uh, I've been an amputee um, since I was nine months old. So uh, when I was younger, around you know the ages of seven or eight, I started to participate in adaptive sports through different events that my mother found and I just you know kept going with it and um, I enjoyed it you know and um, what were some of the early sports that you participate in I did everything pretty much um, really anything you can name I, I pretty much played all the sports I've been rode horses um, for a time period when I was younger um, and I still, to this day, I love, you know, all the sports. I love I love to watch sports, and I admire different athletes. So um, it's always been, you know, a, a genuine relationship between me and sports. I like that. That's pretty cool. And and when did you hone in on track and field? Um, I would say around the age of 10. Um, that's when I first – that was around the time of my first track meet. And I did pretty well. And I, you know, it was an experience that was life changing for me because I found out about the Paralympics and, you know, what the future could hold and the potential that I might have. And I, you know, utilized my skills and just my, my basic talent and decided to, you know, commit to track and field. And at that time, were you uh, uh, still active in, in other sports or did you realize, you know, I wanted to just kind of narrow in on this and perfect um, my abilities here? Yeah, so I just I pretty much narrowed in on the sport, but my training, I mean, for training, I did, you know, all kinds of different things um, that, you know, would cross, you know, different paths of different sports. But uh, I committed to track and field and from there, um, you know, afterwards, after that commitment, I decided to uh, run for my middle school. And and how how were um, sports? You know, you said you mentioned school. How were sports um, inclusive at, at at that at school and in, in in your state at that time? Um, they actually had never had a amp above knee or any amputee for that matter in North Carolina running for a middle school. So I was the first and, um, I knew from an early age that, um, you know, I wanted to be a trailblazer and to open doors for people with disabilities 
Um, they might not have had an opportunity to just, you know, play a sport and if not do it competitively, do it, you know, for fun. Yeah, it definitely takes a lot of trailblazers to uh, move move the dial, move the needle, uh, particularly in, in the matter of inclusion and uh, adaptive sports in general. And and how difficult was it for you and for your family uh, to do that? Um, it was challenging at times, but, um, you know, I learned quickly that, uh, you know, you had to be resilient and you had to, um, you know, face adversity head on. And, um, it, you know, it was all worth it in the end, you know, just re- remembering what motivated me and my family and, you know, our why and why I wanted to play sports. Um, you know, just for the love and passion of it. And of course, like I said, being a trailblazer, um, I knew that it would help other people, not just me. So, you know, it's bigger than me, really. And I know you really started competing early. Um, you know, as you said, finding the sport at 10, competing, was it you were uh, 12, 13, 14 when you started competing internationally? Yes, sir. I was. Um, I think my first competition was the junior. What's it called? Dang, uh, junior. It's like a junior international meet. I remember I went to Puerto Rico and I also went to England um, for, uh, you know, those meets on two separate occasions. And um, that was a great experience. Just, you know, seeing other athletes from different c- countries, too. Um, I mean, it was it was amazing. And. I think it was just a small taste of what the Paralympics would be like for me. And um, and then you 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 made the national team, and and I think you were the youngest to compete in in Rio. Is that correct? Yes, sir. I was the youngest for track and field. And you were just uh, sixteen, right? When you when when you went over to the twenty sixteen um, Rio Games. Oh yeah, sixteen. I was. And, I didn't uh, feel 16, but. <laughs> what is your training like? What do you do to compete at the elite level? Um, I would say being consistent is really the most important key to it um, right now for me, at least, um, because, you know, most athletes train, but it's it's about being consistent. How many days are you training out the week? Um, are you training properly? That's going to translate directly to your sport. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm 21 now, but because I've been doing it for 10, 10 plus years, like I've done a lot in terms of, you know, trying different training techniques. But, um, right now I'm just like, my focus is, uh, on getting, uh, just a little bit bigger in weight and, um, you know, just focusing on the technical aspects of running. Um, I'm a sprinter, so I do a lot of block work and, um, you know, like a lot of running, of course, and um, I'm also in the gym a lot. So, and for you, what is what does uh, you know building weight and and and, and gaining weight do for you in the sport? Um, for me, I would say I've always been lean because I work out so much. Um, I burned a lot of you know fat and whatever, etc. So, uh, just trying to you know put on some weight. The not only put on weight, but to get stronger in general, um, to, you know, just basically I'm 21. So I'm trying to get my grown man body, you know, and, uh, it's slowly coming along though, but <laughs> I don't want to be a kid anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And, um, I know you go ahead. 
No, I was just saying, I, I want to see that transformation from when I went to Rio when I was 16 to, you know, now I want it to be a visible difference. You know, that's the goal. Yeah, definitely. Understand, understand. And uh, what, what, um, you, you still hold some national records. So what are some of the national records that, that you currently still hold? Um, right now I hold a a number of, uh, youth records. Like I've always kind of held those records since I started. Um, I know Ezra Freck, uh, he's another amputee. He's been breaking a lot of those. So I'm not sure how many of those I have left, but I do hold the 100 meter, um, national record, um, in the United States. And, um, hopefully this year, you know, I plan on adding the long jump to it and, um, you know, lowering those, those records even. I was going to ask you about, um, obviously the, the track part and versus the field part. Um, obviously I, I know you as a runner and, and so what, um, do you have a preference between running versus jumping? I would say I I kind of do. Um, I'm more of a sprinter, I would say right now. But the long jump is something that I'm I'm definitely um, passionate about. You know, I'm very competitive. So um, the hundred and long jump, I really, you know, that's my pair. That that those two things are, you know, what I, I care about most um, because I did drop some events. Uh, for different reasons, like the 200 meter. And I used to do, and when I was younger, I actually used to do all of the field events, including javelin, shot put, discus throw. Like, I love to do all the events. So um, the 100 and long jump is, you know, those are my babies right now. <laughs> well, and it's smart to narrow it down because trying to trying to devote enough time to all of those, all of those different uh, sporting right. events would be, would be very tough. Yeah, it's a lot. It's definitely a lot at the top level. And and Desmond, how's the um, a pandemic I- impacted your training? Um, I would say I'm thankful to say that it's had a minimal impact in a way. Um, I've been able to train. Um, I remember last year I had to kind of transition from the track to training on the field, um, which, I mean, at times it would have been better to be on a track, but um, I may, you know, me and my coach made the best of it working on the field. And I think I saw a lot of, um, gains that I didn't even realize could happen just because of the, 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 the way that the grass is and how it's, it's such a different impact on your body. Um, I feel like for me, it helped me to stay injury free and also to, um, get stronger because it's almost like a resistance effect, um, uh, compared to a track. Um, so it was great. Yeah. And I guess, I guess, you know, the benefit of being in, in the, the sports that you're in, you know, you're not as impacted as, you know, obviously someone who needs access to a pool or needs access to, you know, other, uh, you know, programs or gyms or equipment. You, you can obviously yes, go out and run anytime, anywhere, right? Yes, sir. Right. And, and, and as we, as we, uh, uh, approach Tokyo, what are your, what are your expectations and goals for yourself? Um, I have high expectations. Um, like I said, my goal was to make a transformation and, you know, I, I really have high expectations in the way that I want to, you know, basically break my personal best. And not only that, but I'm really aiming to, uh, break the world record in the 100 meter, um, this year. So, um, and I also want a medal in the long jump. So, 
you know, it's high expectations. Anything could happen, but I know that I put the work in and I have faith that, you know, things will work out in my favor. And and since you mentioned that you you know obviously had an amputation at nine months old, uh, you, that's all you knew, right? You did, yeah. um, yes, sir. And so and so, what what were some of the other challenges? I mean, did you did you have to um, uh, break down other stigmas or or perceptions or or stereotypes that we that we often all have to deal with in in you know in in the disabled community and in the, in the adaptive sports community? How how was that like growing up? Uh, maybe outside of sports as well as in sports. Um, I would say that, you know, a lot of people when I was younger and still to this day, they didn't know about the Paralympics. So, you know, it's almost like when you say that word, it's like speaking a foreign language to a lot of people. And I remember just having to explain, you know, what's, you know, what the Paralympics is, what it's like to be an athlete in the Paralympics, how it compares to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I got used to it and, um, you know, it's it's fine because I know people don't know what they don't know. So um, I'm here to also help educate people, um, you know, uh, just you know, educate them in awareness of people with disabilities. And, you know, I just try my best to do that um, on and off the track, really. And kind of along those lines, how are you redefining disability? Um, You know, me and my mother have a phrase where we kind of like change the word disability and we turn it into ability, you know, and the meaning of that for me is just, um, you know, we just, we're adaptive athletes and we're still athletes. And with mm -hmm. that, you know, the Paralympics has allowed us to be professional athletes even. And we're able to do, you know, amazing things with our bodies that uh, most people wouldn't even think that they could do and in turn we're inspiring so many people with disabilities to just be active and to know that you can you can move and run and jump and swim and you know cycle you can do all the, the things that you would want to do if you were an able-bodied person it just may be a little different that's all in, indeed and I, and i imagine uh for i mean for all of our athletes um uh, you know, the parity that now that now uh, is in place for like medals for Olympic and Paralympic athletes is a, a critical move forward as well. And and this this will be the first time that that you'll be able to that that, that will that uh, that parity will will be able to benefit, you know, athletes like you. Right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. hundred percent. And um, how long do you anticipate, um, you know, being able to compete at the elite level? What's your kind of future plans or goals, you know, even post-Tokyo? I plan to compete for a very long time. Uh, I'm 21 years old, so, you know, just to think that I made the Paralympics when I was 16, I tell people now, like, I feel almost like I'm a veteran because I've seen pretty much everything except being on the medal stand. And, you know, hopefully and prayfully this year that'll happen. Um, I plan to have a long career, though. I, You know, I really want to break barriers um, for amputees and people with disabilities in sports. Awesome. Is there anything else um, you'd like to add before we, before I ask my last question for you? Um, I just want to add that, you know, I have to say that for me to get to this point, it wasn't all me. Um, I also had people helping me along the way, a village. Um, my mother has been instrumental 
and getting me to this point along with uh, my current coach and any trainers or coaches that have, you know, given me any training techniques or principles um, because it's an everyday thing. It's a lifestyle to be a Paralympic athlete. So, um, you know, just knowing that we can't do it alone and that's for anybody, you know, we all need somebody to, to help us at some point and it's, it's okay to ask for help, you know, so that's all. Well you, well, you mentioned your mom and say hello to your mom, Deborah, for us. Well, uh, do. We, we, lo- we love her at Move United. And, and so if people are, are wanting to follow your journey, uh, what social media platforms are, are you on? How can people kind of just uh, follow you, connect with you, uh, su- such and so forth? Yes, my main, my main uh, social media account is Instagram. So you can follow me at Desmond Andre Jackson, or you can also find me on Twitter at Desmond Andre Jackson, or my website is also up. So uh, feel free to check that out. It has some really cool content about me and, you know, my journey. So, um, yeah, I, I, I saw it. It's a great website. So, well, there, thank, thank thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm.